reminder. And, and like I say, just a little bit of encouragement in this world we live in. Um, I'm thankful that even though sometimes it doesn't seem like it, that God is still in control. Uh, he hasn't lost any power. He hasn't lost any control. Uh, nothing's taken him by surprise. Um, it's not anything that he's not well aware of. So Ephesians chapter two, verse one. Is everybody there? All right. Like we most found it, it said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So we know who that is. That's talking about Satan, right? He is the prince and the power of the air. There's a message right there in that, in that one phrase of that sentence. But anyway, said, The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also... We all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, or by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, what a verse, but God, who was rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then the ages to come he might shew the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together and for this day that you've given us for the opportunity that we have to call on you. And Lord, for your love, your mercy, and your grace, God, that you've shown us. And Lord, I don't understand how anything or anyone could love us the way you do. Lord, you're so merciful, so gracious. And God, I thank you that, Lord, you're a God that's near. Lord, we thank you. God, there's things that people need in this church, God. We need help, God. There's so many things like it's going on and the things we've asked for and we've prayed for. And God, I know you hear. So Lord, sometimes we just need to trust you. And God, one of the reasons may be sometimes the way you do things. Lord, we don't understand, but God, you do. But in the end, we will. And we thank you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you give me the anointed at this time. Holy Spirit, please speak through me. Give me the words needed for this time. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' your name we pray. Amen. As uh, I've kind of already mentioned, for those of you that are here in Sunday school class and different things, we've heard uh, different uh, things, and it, it's okay, they're coming back in, it's perfectly fine, uh, about uh, our salvation, how wonderful it is, how precious it is, and how much God loves us, how much he cares for us. And it's amazing to me sometimes how much God truly loves us. Uh, you gotta realize that we were a people who didn't want anything to do with God. We weren't interested in God for we were saved. Yet he loved us so much that he brought us to him by his love. Uh, and I'm gonna read these first few verses and make a few comments and we'll get into the message. I'll try to get you out of here. It's kind of a little bit late, but that's okay. Uh, I'll try to get through this as quickly as I can. And the Bible says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The word quickened there means made alive. You were given life. And uh, we were spiritually dead. Uh, understand, uh, before you are saved, spiritually speaking, you are dead. You come to an age of what we call accountability. 
And there is no set age for that. Uh, a lot of it depends on the upbringing sometimes or different things of the child. But everyone reaches an age where they know right from wrong. They understand what is wrong. They understand when they have sinned against a holy and just God and done things unpleasing to God. When you reach that age, I don't care if it's eight years old, 15 years old, although I don't think it's quite that high. I'd say closer to the eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. You reach that age, friend, if you are convicted of your sins and you reject Jesus Christ and you die, you are in danger of hell's fire. Now I know it's hard for us to grasp that a 10 year old kid can die and go to hell but I'm here to tell you if they reject the plan of salvation if God convicts them that according to the Bible that is exactly what's getting ready to happen. And folks I'm going to tell you something I don't know this is part of the message for granted that everything's going to be a-okay it's not a-okay. And if you've never been saved, you're not A-OK. You've got to realize God speaks to us and he has so much mercy for us that he convicts us and shows us and tells us that we are lost. And once we recognize that, he gives us the cure for that. Let me, let me move on here. He said in verse 2, When in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You understand, you and I, outside of salvation, are disobedient in everything we do to God. We are doing things according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. In other words, he is the only one that's guiding and leading you, your conscience. Society wants to tell you, media wants to tell you, atheists want to try to tell you that we gain, we get better as we grow older, as we as time goes, we get better. That's false, folks. Look around, we, we go down. History will teach us that. The more we push God out of our life and our society, the more downward we go. We go down, 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 and that is what has happened in our world right now. History will tell you from, from when it was recorded to now, every society that leaves God, that's exactly what happens every single time. Our nature is to sin. Our nature is to go down and be disobedient to God. Verse 3 says, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, who are by nature the children of wrath. In other words, the common phrase is, if it feels good, just do it. Well, folks, that's not Bible. Uh, that's not what God's Word says. God's Word says, I don't care how good you think it feels, how fun you think it is, or what uh, happiness it may bring, if it's against the Word of God, God says it's disobedience to Him. And notice what He says here. That we, were, we, we mind the desires of the flesh. We crave those things. We did those things. When you're lost, uh, that is all you can do. That is why sin is so rampant because people are obeying the lust of their sin and they have no other place to look for for happiness or entertainment or joy. Amen. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes in the church and in our lives, those desires are still there because our old sin nature is still there and they come up. And we still want to obey them. We think it's okay to do this or to sin or uh, get by with it or think we justify it somehow or come to a conclusion. Listen, folks, just because the world says things are okay doesn't make it okay. 
I mean, God's word says it's sin, it's sin. Let me try to move on here. It's in verse four. He says, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together in Christ. By grace he are saved. So number one, with salvation. If I tell this, it would be with salvation. What are some of the things salvation brought me? Well, number one, we got forgiveness. Understand, you and I had no way to get forgiveness. We were uh, sentenced by God to hell. We were found dead. We were found wanting and tried. And we had no way to get forgiveness. In other words, you could say, God, I'm sorry all day long. It was not enough. You could say, Lord, I know I've done wrong. It was not enough. It took a perfect, holy, sinless sacrifice for you and I to gain forgiveness. And through him and belief in Jesus Christ, dying for your sins as an individual is the only way way to get forgiveness from God Almighty there was no way to receive that from God you realize the miracle that took place the moment you got saved the instant you believed on Jesus um, I, I don't remember it was dad I think it said, told me he listened to some preacher the other day or heard somebody uh, some pastor went to a church and, and was going to go pastor a church and the church didn't believe in miracles and he asked about different ones in the Bible and he said well uh, they don't, we don't believe in those. And he actually got up and preferred, he didn't know this, his first message that he preached was on. So they come to him, so we don't believe in that here. Well, I'm gonna tell you uh, the thing that I would have looked at him and the, and the pastors and gave different examples of miracles, but I said this a lot and I want you all to know this. The first thing I would have looked at him and said, then you don't believe in salvation. Because the greatest miracle you will ever experience seeing is someone come to an altar and in a minute, in an instant, their whole character changes. Everything about them changes. Their mindset, their desires, their hopes, all is changed in an instant. And their nature, they're given a new nature. Thank God Jesus gave us forgiveness which you and I had no means to get. Only by salvation through him can we get forgiveness. Salvation brought forgiveness. There's nothing worse than knowing someone is mad at you, someone is upset at you, you've done something wrong and you know you're wrong and you have no way to get that fixed or right. That is what forgiveness gave you and I through salvation. He says, and hath raised us up. Uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. As I mentioned before, number two, number one, we with salvation we got forgiveness. Number two, we got life. Yeah. Uh, quicken us together, as I said in verse one. That means made alive. Spiritually, you were dead. I don't know about you, but I remember the moment I got saved. I knew something inside of me changed. For the first time in my life, I felt alive. I felt clean. I felt like something had taken place inside of me. I didn't know how to describe it. I didn't know what was going on. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit confused to a degree, but I knew something happened inside of me. I didn't have to ask anybody. I didn't have to find out. I knew something inside of me had changed. God had come in and forgiven me and had made me alive. And I knew, wow, I don't know exactly what's going on, but man, I like this. I feel clean. I feel uh, sure. I feel so wonderful. This is great. I can't believe people don't want this. And for the first time in my life, I knew I was right with God. Thank God what a salvation we've got. With salvation. 
We get forgiveness. We get life. You've been made alive. Verse six, he said, has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Huh. And in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, verse six, I think is a little bit perplexing. There's a whole lot there. But he raised us up. So number three, we have access to God. We got forgiveness, we got life, and we got access to God. Do you understand, spiritually speaking, in God's eyes, we are already there. But notice what the Bible says. It says, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's only through and by Jesus. There's no other way. Now, physically, we know we're not in heaven right now. Not until you die where the rapture takes place. As far as I'm concerned, I'd like to see the rapture takes place here in about five minutes, to tell you the truth. Amen. If he's ready to come, I'm ready for him. Amen. But when he let us sit together, we had no way to get forgiveness, so without forgiveness, we couldn't come to God's presence. In the Old Testament, that's why the animals were sacrificed. That's why uh, the, the, the priest would come. You'd bring your animal. you say, I've sinned this sin. There's different ones. I won't go into it for time. And, and you bring, let's just say you, you brought a goat for the sacrifice, and the priest comes out. He cuts that throat's, uh, uh, that goat's throat, and you hold on to that animal, and you stand there, and you feel that animal as that animal's dying and going down. You go down with it. You keep your hands on that animal and keep a hold of it until its last heartbeat is left its body, until there's absolutely no life left in that animal. And when it finally has died a full death, you can take your hands off of it. That is a reminder of what your sins has done, that our guilt has caused that innocent animal to die, and God of saying this is the penalty and the results of sin is death always death when sin is finished it bringeth forth death always and then once a year the priest could go into the holy of holies where the ark of the covenant was at where the ark was at and he would take uh, he'd pull that he had to go through his mind and he thought I'm trying to hurry and um, he wondered every step have I done everything I needed to do? Have I, I know I sanctified myself. I sanctified the temple or the tabernacle. I've sanctified all these things. When I pull this curtain back and I look at that Ark of the Covenant, have I followed? Every, have I done everything I was supposed to do? Because if I don't, I'm going to drop dead. And he pulled that curtain back extremely heavy. I've always wondered how he got behind it sometimes. He pulled it back and he had that censer, that golden censer with that incense, that smoke coming out of it. And he couldn't, he had to make sure he kept that going and he didn't get ahead of that smoke. And he took that blood and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat and God would come down and meet with that priest there just for a few moments. That was as close as anybody could get to God in the Old Testament. But you and I, because of salvation, the Bible says we can 
boldly. In other words, with full confidence and assurance, you can go straight to the throne of God. You can go sit right on his lap and say, Father, it's me again. I'm here. I want to talk to you. I need you. I love you, God. I thank you for what you've done for me. Lord, I need help in this way. I need help in that way. Understand, the devil wants you and I to believe we are victims and we are defeated, but you have already won through Jesus Christ. We are already victors. He tried to tell you that you're defeated. You're not defeated. That's a lie from him. You got victory through Jesus and it's time as Christians and as a church we live like it for a change and have faith and trust in God. You've got access to God. There was a man, you've probably mentioned this before, and I'll get to my last point and I'm done. His name was John Knox. He was a Puritan. Let me caution you all. Be careful if you read strongly after someone that was a Puritan because they were, most of them were Calvinists. But you can learn a lot from them. One of those Puritans was named John Knox who lived in Scotland. You all have heard me tell this before. The Queen of Scotland said, I fear the prayers more of John Knox than all the armies of Europe. Because she knew he had access to God. You see, when you learn to have a real, a real relationship with Jesus, and you realize the access you've got to God, and you understand something, that your prayers can literally move mountains. Well, I wonder how long it's been since Joe Biden thought, I fear somebody's prayer more than I fear the armies of China, Japan, and Russia combined. I wonder how long it's been since somebody has realized the access they've got to God and tapped into that power and said, Lord, we need you. God, I pray for you. There's a man by the name of Pray and Hide. He was a missionary, I believe in India. And when he died, his heart had actually moved in his chest cavity because he had agonized with God so much through the years from praying. You realize you and I have access to the one who spoke this thing into existence. Sometimes that's hard. it's hard for my brain to grasp that. I know that. I know it is yours. But that's where faith comes in. You realize the God that holds this together, the God that tells the ocean to stop, it's got nothing to do with melting ice caps and stuff. It's got to do with what God says. You stop right there and I'll tell you to stop. It's estimated that the universe is doing this and doing that. Our solar system is going crazy. The earth is tilting different on its axis. The moon is getting further from the earth. I hear all this stuff. And you know what? There's not a thing we can do about it. I don't care how good science gets. I don't care how many astronauts we've got. I don't care whatever man tries to invent. There's not an earthly thing we can do about any of that. But I know the one who can. I know the one who can. There's one thing that the atheists cannot explain that the the science teachers hate is that if you look back in time, there's a day and a half on the timeline that we can't account for. I can because someone was in a battle one day and they said, God, we need the earth, to, the, the sun to stand still. We need to see what's going on. And God made the sun stand still and time stood still for a day and a half. That is the same God you and I have access to. And if we our hearts are right, he will do for you what he's done for others. Right. Salvation gave you access to God yeah. at any time. 
any place, anywhere. Uh, there's people sometimes that needs help. They need to talk. They need something and they say, well, it's late. I can't bother anybody right now. You're not bothering God any time, day or night. You've got access fully and wholly to him at all times. It's always there. Notice what he said here, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Thank God. It is the gift of God. Not of works, as any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus into good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And there's a whole lot more points I could give here, but I'm just going to skip it down to this last one. With salvation, we got escaped from hell. I'm going to mention, I, I thought about Jimmy as he was giving an illustration a minute ago about the firework. I'd love to have seen that. <laughs> Standing back from the fire, kaboom, sparks go to flying and him, he thought he's back in Iraq. Um, I've told people that hell is so bad we can't comprehend it. Jesus preached more on hell than any subject. He actually told him, said, if your eye offends you, if that keeps you from being saved, pluck your eyes out. If your hand offends you, keep you from being saved, cut it off. In other words, he said, whatever it takes to get to me, you better do it. In hell, for the first time in your known existence, you will be without the presence of God. There's nothing there but evil. You will be burnt from the inside out. The fire, man has now invented a fire hot enough that it puts off no light. We, we've, we've achieved that. As you've heard me say many times, the hotter the fire, the less the light. That's why there's total darkness is because there's no God. God is light and in him is no darkness. That's why there's no light in hell because there's no God. And all along the while you're falling and you never quit falling. You fall for eternity. All while you're burning, 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 nonstop. Never get out of it. Never escape. It'll never go away. There's people that go to my mind that I grew up with that I've known that died. As far as I know, they died lost. And I think about them sometimes. And I wonder, think, will they ever, I know they got to stop and think, will I ever get any relief from this? And they never will. There'll never be a moment that they'll ever escape that torment. Satan's not there yet, but he's going to be one day. You think of the worst people on earth, the worst people that you can, your mind can wrap around, the mur most murderous, rapinest, beatenest, hatefulest, meanest people you can think of, that's who's in hell with you. Total darkness. No forgiveness. No access to God. No life. That's what we escaped with salvation. 
Do you realize how great and wonderful salvation is this morning? What we got with salvation. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful I'm going to a place one day I'll never hear another baby cry out of pain and suffering. I'll never hear another, see another child suffer. I'll never hear the words of sorry ever again. I'll never experience somebody's heart being broken. I'll never know what it's like to stand by a graveside again. I'll never know what it's like to go to the hospital and hope and pray you get good news or watch a loved one as they sit and wheeled away, stricken with disease. I'll never know what it's like to hear get a bad phone call to not have, have more uh, month than I got money. I'll never know what it's like again to have anything bad happen, to have a virus, have a sickness, no more bad news. None of those things will be perfect. There'll be nothing wrong. There'll be no hard feelings. There'll be no hurt feelings. All these things are gone and passed away. Thank God for a hope that I've got beyond this world. And salvation brought that to me. And if you're saved, it brought it to you as well. Now the question is, are you saved? Are you saved? Without being saved, without believing on the finished work of the cross of Calvary, right now, let me explain to you your situation and I'm done with this. Number one, you have no forgiveness with God. The Bible says God's wrath is on you now. Right now, you're in, you're in God's wrath. You're in his bullseye. Number two, spiritually speaking, you're dead. You, don't, you, you wonder why we act like we do sometimes and get excited because you're dead. You're not alive. You, can't, you don't have the Holy There have been times I've laid my bills in the floor and I said, God, I've tried my best to put my money where it needs to be and pay these bills and I'll see more bills and I've got money. Lord, you've got to provide. And he's never failed me. Not one time has he ever failed me. If you've never been saved, do you realize you're outside of the safety of God? His hand of wrath is what is resting on you, not his hand of mercy. I'll say this and I'm done. I've heard some well-known, nationally known preachers make this statement and it's extremely false and unbiblical and I'll prove it to you. I've heard them say, don't tell lost people that God loves them. Tell them that his wrath is on them and, that, and, and, and his wrath is on them. But notice what the Bible says. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, were in time past. He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and spirit now working in disobedience, among whom also we, I'm reading fast, 
conversation time passing lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind who were by nature the children of wrath and as others. But God who is rich in mercy, here it is, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Paul was speaking in the past tense when you were lost. God loved you. Do you know what motivated God to send his son to die for us? His love. His love wasn't enough to save you. Couldn't do it. It took a perfect sinless sacrifice and it took his love to butcher his son for you and I. Father, we thank you again for this time together and God, I pray that I've honored you this morning. Lord, I pray that I preached what you've given me. Lord, you've had your way in this service, Lord, and in this time together. God, I pray, Lord, that you touch hearts now as you see fit. Lord, uh, I pray for conviction upon people. I pray for a draw of this altar. If people need to come and pray, if someone here that's lost that doesn't know they need to be saved, God, draw them. And, you say, and they may say to themselves, I want to be saved, but I don't know what to do. All we got to do, Jesus, is just ask you to save us. Just believe on you. It's that simple. And Lord, I'll gladly take the Bible and show anyone that wants to come be saved this morning how to be saved from the word of God. They just have to come and believe on you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this time together. Move in the hearts now as you see fit. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As we all stand, we get a song, whatever.